Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I've been walking with the Lord for almost 50 years. I was, uh, we were so blessed as a team this week to have my spiritual father in. And uh, he led me to Christ when I was 14 years old and raised me for the next 10 years like his own son and ultimately sent me to Lafayette. And it, it, was, it was pretty, I guess it was deja vu, which is looking back on, on the whole elements of your life and being reminded of things and and one of the young men that started off got saved when I did, a thousand people born again in my junior high school. His name is Santos Ramirez. And Santos and I were one of the four or five young leaders that, that, that got saved during that time. And I have not seen him since we both moved to Waco to be with Pastor Keith. And about three months afterwards, he moved back because he had a girlfriend he couldn't stay away from. She was in eighth grade. Yeah. And he walked away from the Lord for the next 13 years. And he's telling me the story. And 13 years later, cirrhosis of the liver, coughing up blood, he cried out to God, the God that had touched him so many years before. And so we flew him in from Houston to be here with Pastor Keith and I. And so I haven't seen him in 45 years. I don't know if you know this, but Mexicans look strange as they get older. <laughs> I mean, not, I'm not talking about myself. I'm just talking about your general, your general five foot three Mexican. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was just for me, it was like one of those deja vu moments where you look back and you remember yourself. And they had a picture up on the screen when my hair was down to here. And they, I had just got my hair cut to be in that picture. And, and I, I'm, you know, you're just looking back. You ever have one of those moments where you just look back and something reminds you of the very beginning and all that God has done. And when I look back at that, I see there were two or three transformative things that truly shaped my life. Yes, I was born again. So was Santos Ramirez. Yes, God gave me a spiritual family in the church that I came into. And you've heard me say this. Jesus saved my soul, but the church of Jesus saved my life. And, and they became my family. And that's where the message of spiritual family that permeates through all of our churches is birthed in. What, what I experienced being adopted as a son by a pastor who was not my color, who was not my family, but because of the kingdom of God, the blood of Jesus erased all of that and joined us together. And then I look back on what were the things that really shaped my life? I was born again. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like there, there wasn't, there wasn't a, 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 an issue or a question. I, I was a kid and they said, hey, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You receive a prayer language and power comes with it. I didn't have to be explained. No one had to pull out chapter and verse. I just said, give it to me. If it's from God and I can have it, I want some of that. And so I, that, that was very crucial. And then in the next 
two months, I would read the entire New Testament. That, that was pretty crucial. But today I want to talk to you about something I believe that also expedited God's processes in my life. Maybe it was, I'm sure it was the pace God knew because he doesn't live in time, past, present, and future. He oversees it all. But, but I believe that if I can look back on my spiritual journey, 48 years, as I have this last week quite a bit, I would say that what I want to share with you today is one of the most powerful principles that shaped who I am as a child of God, that shaped my spiritual journey, that shaped whether I would walk in victory or not, that shaped me. You, you might not realize this, but the purpose of church is not to come to learn. The purpose of church is to come to be transformed by the word of God and be conformed to the image of Christ so that we can be equipped to go out and reach others for Christ both in our example as well as in what we share. Everybody with me? So I want to talk to you today about knowing who you are in Christ and confessing it. Knowing who you are and... Let me try one more time. Knowing and... And both of those are one and the same, even though you might realize, I know many people that have the first part, but don't have the second part. I know people that have the second part, but don't have the first part. Let's begin with our foundational passage. And let me ask you a couple of questions as we get there. Who do you believe that you are? Would you answer to something else besides who you are? Can someone convince you that you're not really who you are? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is walking with his disciples through Caesarea Philippi. And let me give you a backdrop. There is a temple there in Caesarea Philippi where a thousand gods are being worshipped. Jesus is there, and in the backdrop, all of these people are coming from different places to worship the many gods that are there. And it's there in that backdrop that Jesus looks at his disciples and he begins this conversation. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, read it with me. Who do men, <clears throat> what? Say that, what? I, the son of man am. And they said, some say that you are. Why did they say John the Baptist? What, 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 what had happened to John the Baptist? He'd been beheaded. Jesus was doing so many miracles, they actually thought John the Baptist who had been beheaded by Herod because he preached against his immorality, that, that he'd been raised back from the dead and was coming back to torment Herod and everybody else. He said, some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, a prophet that was dead and come back from the dead hundreds of years ago. Others say Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, because you always cry when you preach, or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but... Okay, now let me just say this to you. I do stumble, but I don't stutter. So if I pause, it's because I want you to fill in the blank. All right? But who do you say? What? Let me just stop right here a moment. Look right here. You don't always get to choose who you're born to. How many of you would have liked to have been born to somebody different? I mean, I've heard parents look at their kids and go, well, we planned you, we planned you, we planned you, but now you, you were an accident. I always want those kids to jump up and say, you know what? So are you. I was supposed to be born to the rich people over in River Ranch. I don't know how I got stuck with you. 
You can't choose where you're born, but you can choose who you surround yourself with after that. And you must surround yourself with people who know who you are. Jesus is looking at his disciples who've now been with him for almost three years. And he says, who do you say that I am? You've observed this. You've had firsthand knowledge. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, repeat it with me. You are the Christ, the son of the what? You see, Jews always believed that one day the Christ would come. Jesus had a time frame. Jesus was from zero to 33. That was his earthly name. But the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, the third part of the Trinity, he was from the beginning. And he said, we know who you are. You're that Christ we've been waiting for. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for what? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't learn this just sitting in church. But my father who is what? In heaven. Everyone needs people who surround them that know their true identity. Even those closest to Jesus needed a revelation from God to know who Jesus was and to confess it. And guess what? If they needed a revelation from God to know who he was and to confess it, you need a revelation from God to know who you are and confess it. Have you ever wondered why words are so powerful? No matter what language, no matter what tone, words are powerful. Why are words so powerful? Proverbs 18, 21 says, the power of life and are in the tongue. The most dangerous thing you have at your house is not an AK. The most dangerous thing you have in your house is not a three, you know, 357. It's not a 10 gauge. I'm happy to say I have most of those. But the most powerful thing it, you have is yeah. It's your tongue. I know people that have been shot and they don't remember that, but they've had words spoken over them that they've never, ever, ever forgotten. Well, why are words so powerful? Remember this little poem growing up as a child? Sticks and stones may, but is that true? No, it's a lie. That's why only children could say it. Adults would know absolutely that it's not true. Many of you that are sitting here right now, though we look at you externally, there are word wounds that have been spoken over you that have shaped everything that you do, the way that you dress, the way that you look at yourself in the mirror, what you think you can do, what you think you can't do. Words have shaped and molded you. Here's the reason why words are so powerful. Because we are created in the image of, we're created in the image of God. And God is a... God is a Mexican. Well, there was once an argument about whether God was black or white or Mexican, Hispanic. Come on, let's just be honest. What group of people named their children Jesus? It's only my people. So I'm not saying that he is Hispanic. I'm just saying we're the only people. When's the last time you met a white guy named Jesus? I rest my case. Hey, brothers, when's the last time you met a brother named Jesus that wasn't on crack? 
Why are these words so powerful? Because we are created in the image of God. And God is a spirit. God is a spirit. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Say with me, God is a spirit. Okay. God doesn't have a body like you and me. He's a spirit and that's the part of us that's created in his image that is eternal. So you could say it like this. Okay. I am a spirit. Say that. I am a spirit. Okay. I have a soul. That is my mind, will, and emotions. Okay. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. I feel that in my body, but you can say things that hurt me emotionally. That's my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. Okay. And then I live in my body. So you can say it like this. I am a soul. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in my body. Is my body going to die? Is my mind, will, and emotions going to die? But what part of me is going to live forever? My spirit. My spirit. My spirit. So here is why God's words are so powerful and our words are so powerful because we're creating his image. Genesis 1-3 says, then God what? Then God what? Said, let there be light and... Okay, Genesis 1, 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide from the waters. And he did as he said. Genesis 1, 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Do, do, you, do you see? Everything God spoke happened. God's words are powerful. They are spirit and they are powerful. Genesis 2, 7 says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of, and man became what? He became a living being. In other words, God breathed into the dust, the mud went, <laughs> and you became and I've been with many, many people when they took their last breath and God just went. And it was gone. How many of you have ever been at the birth of a baby? How many of you attended your own birth? <laughs> Somebody from Karen Crow said, I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> Two people from Scott said, you didn't go to Acadiana High School. <laughs> uh, uh, one Lafayette High student said, I know the answer to that. I was in honors classes. <laughs> Watch this. When God breathed into the dust of the earth, he made men. T.D. Jake said, like, said it like this. Man came from the dirt and he's naturally dirty. That'll help you understand some stuff. But God breathed into the dust of the earth and he made men. God breathed into the dust of the earth and he made men. God into the dust of the earth and he made men. One last time. God into the dust of the earth and he made men. Now watch this. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is All scripture is God breathed. 
Do, do you know why when you hear the word of God, it begins to shape you and mold you? Do you know why when, you, when you're hearing the word of God preached, how many of you just like get the chills? You get the frissons. And you can just feel that, like you just feel like Dr. Scott's in a zone and he's spitting and his face is red and Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic are coming out of him. And you're going, this is a man. You ever feel that way? Okay, watch this. Do you know what's happening? This word is breathing on you. It's renewing your mind. It's washing your mind. It's renewing your mind. And that's why the Bible says in John 15, 3, Jesus said, you are cleansed through the word which I've spoken to you. It's ah, breathing on you and it's changing the way you think. And it's changing the way you see your mind, will, and emotions. See, when you became a born again child of God, your spirit became new, which means if you were a phone, an iPhone, you got a new battery, but you still got to go in there and delete everything that was in there before. All those ugly pictures of those ugly girlfriends you had and boyfriends you had. And, and you got to delete all of that and all the old contacts, because even though you have a new life now, you still need to renew your mind, will and emotions. You know what happened? The difference between Santos Ramirez and me is that I got my mind renewed and he could not get past what was here, even though God was working here. And this drew him back until it choked out what was here. Did you get what I just said? Just because you are a born again child of God and you've gone from spiritual death to spiritual life, that's only one part of the process. You have a new spirit, but now you must begin to renew your mind. When I became a Christian, people looked at me and said, Jacob, you got brainwashed. And you know what I said? If you knew it was in my brain, it needed to be washed. Your mind needs to be, listen, that was before iPhones. That was before TikTok, Facebook, my books, Instagram, all the other stupid stuff I don't even know about. Your mind needs to be renewed. So God said it and it happened. Whatever he spoke, it created whatever he named it. And because we are created in God's image, your words also hold creative power for good or for evil, the power of life and death. Hebrews 11.3 says this, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by, by what? The word of God. So that things which are seen are, were made of things which are visible. In truth, everyone's word has been created Everyone's world has been created by somebody's words. Who created your world? You're amazing. You can do anything. You're stupid. That's dumb. You'll never be able to do that. You can't. That never, never. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too short. You're too dumb. You're not from the right side of town. You're not educated enough. Every single person here, your world was framed by somebody's words. There's just one question. Who, who framed it? Who framed it? Words have power. Your words have power. My words have power. 
John 4, 24, God is a spirit and only by the power of the spirit can people worship who he really is. John 6, 63, what gives life is God's spirit. Human power is of no use at all. The words I've spoken to you bring God's life-giving, what? Spirit. Do you see it? We were created in the image of God. God is a spirit. God's word is spirit. And my words carry spirit life too. So just as God's words are powerful and creative, so are my words. So pastor, what do I do if the words that have been spoken over me are not true? What if when someone was shaping me, how many of you old enough to remember Play-Doh? Can you believe you could entertain kids for three bucks? Like for hours? Okay, you could just take it and you just shaped it and you made different other little things with it. Every one of us were shaped and molded by the words that were spoken over us. But many of us had things spoken over us. They're the seeds of our greatest pain in our lives. Some of us the greatest pleasures in our life. So what can we do if the words spoken over us don't agree with what this book says about us and what my father says about me, my real heavenly father. There's only one answer. Through God's powerful, eternal, creative word, the Bible. This word that is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. This word where David said, I treasure your words more than my necessary food. This word. Can I tell you what's scary? I, I, I don't know if I ever shared this here, but I was doing a series at one of our campuses and John Bevere was interviewing a man who talked about the power of the word of God and Christians today. They, didn't even, they weren't even looking for this statistic, but they discovered it. It was, why were Christians struggling with alcohol, drugs, pornography? And so they began to do a survey that reveals some astounding things. You know what they discovered? That people who are exposed to the Word of God either once a week in church or reading their Bible once a week, there was no character difference between them and people that were not born again. For people that were exposed twice a week, there was no difference. They had the same struggles with addiction, pornography, fear, insecurity, depression. Do you know what happened? To the people that were exposed to the Word of God three or more times a week, they were 60% less likely to be depressed, 60% less likely to struggle with pornography, 60% less likely to struggle with addiction. Why? Because you can have those or you can have this, but you can't have them both. Because when you look back on your life one day, as I've had a time this week, reflectively to look back, being with my spiritual father, looking at this guy that left 45 years ago. What is the difference between where he ended up in his life at this season and where I am? And it's one difference, the family of God in the word of God. The family of God in the word of God. Because there's times when I struggle with this, family will drag me back to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
One of the big lies that people have believed in this season is, oh, it doesn't matter if you go to church or not. You can just watch online. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie. Why? Jesus said it was. He said, we're two or more together. What? What is he saying? Is God with me when I'm by myself? What's the answer to that? But when I gather together with other believers, there's a corporate release. And the reason he said two or more is because the more gathered in his name, the more release of the presence of God that we experience. Can I tell you Sheep Shepherd 101? Sheep Shepherd 101 goes like this. If the wolf wants to get a sheep, a lamb, what he does is he first gets the sheep away from the shepherd. Then the second thing is he gets them away from the flock. And when he gets them away from the shepherd and he gets them away from the flock, then it's the wolf versus the lamb and the wolf wins every time. Isolation is the enemy of the child of God. Isolation is the enemy of the child of God. The word of God is what transforms us. Do, do you, know what, you know what these words written here on paper are? You, you know, all words on paper are is thoughts that have been written down. That's all it is. So this is called the word of? Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but... Um, if, if you've heard Miss Michelle speak, you know this. She has a name for me, Pastor Casanova. <laughs> Everything you've heard about dark-skinned men is true. <laughs> when, we, when we dated, I was pastoring a church. And so she was at Bible college, finishing her last semester of Bible college. And we made a commitment not to talk for the first month, but we would send letters back and forth. And then we would send cassettes back and forth. Now, when you think about it, first of all, some of you are still going, what's a cassette? But what do you think about it? I guess if we were sending cassettes back and forth, it'd probably been a whole lot cheaper just to talk on the boat. But I have every one of those letters and every one of those cassettes. Now, I've only been married 39 years and about 115 days. And I will take those letters out sometimes. They used to have perfume on them. Now they just smelled old. <laughs> but they read good. And I'll remind myself. And when I get in a little trouble with Michelle, I might leave one out to remind her <laughs> about me. Come on, man, I'm teaching y'all something for Father's Day. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I will read those letters. Do you know what this is? This is God's letters to you about how he has dealt with humanity and how he loves you. Those words, those letters are a treasure to me, and this book will be a treasure to you when you discover its power. 
You see, the word of God is the real 23andMe. It's the real Ancestry.com. This is the actual birth certificate of who I really am. God formed us in the beginning. Satan deformed us through the fall in the Garden of Eden. And all of us have experienced through our family of origin a flesh pattern, a broken flesh pattern. How many of you remember the sins of your mom and your daddy? Let me say that one more time. If you lie in church, you go straight to hell. I don't know if Dr. Scott's reminded you of that lately. How many of you remember the sins of your parents? That's what you complained about. Oh, you always used to. You know. How many of you know the sins of your aunts and uncles? How many of you know the sins of your grandparents? Okay. Those are your flesh patterns. And all of us fall into sin. We just fall into different sin. And your flesh pattern is like your front end of your car, your steering wheel, when it gets out of alignment. Any of you ever had your car out of alignment? If you've driven on the streets of Lafayette, you have had your car out of alignment. Okay, and it'll just start pulling this way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So when you're driving, you're driving straight, but you're driving like this. People go, why are you driving like that? Because my car's pulling this way. We all have a flesh pattern of our family of origin that pulls towards the sin that we were exposed to growing up. It could be alcohol. It could be fear. It could be anxiety. It could be immorality. We have a flesh pattern that pulls this way. And until the word of God gets in and renews our heart and mind and straightens us out, those are the only times when we're under the control of the spirit that things go straight. But when I am not feeding my spirit and I get in the flesh, you know what you do when you get in the flesh? Come on now, your wife texted me before I came to church. She found out I was at this campus. You, you know what you do that pulls you in that direction. God formed us, Satan deformed us through the fall, and now God wants to transform us through the power of the Holy Spirit by being born again and through the Word of God. How did Satan deform us? Here are the biblical titles for Satan. Liar, deceiver, accuser. What are they? Whenever you hear a lie, who's the father of it? When you hear an accusation, can I give you a little insight? This isn't my message, but it's so good. I got to stop right here just a moment. Watch this. He's the accuser of the. He doesn't accuse you of the people that will hurt you. He doesn't say there's nasty Nikki. Stay away from her. He doesn't say there's drunk Donald, stay away from him. Okay, you know what he says? Can you believe Gerald Bear called you and kept calling you, said you was going to meet with him? I mean, that, that is about, well, what in the world is Walter doing? Why, why is he, I mean, walk up to you like, who do they? He only accuses the people that want to help you. He never accuses the people that want to hurt you. I want you to think about that a moment. Sheep Shepherd 101, get away from the sheep that can help you. Get away from the shepherd. Get away from the shepherd. God formed us, Satan deformed us. Now God wants to transform us. How does he do that? He does it three ways. Through his spirit when we're born again. Through his word to recreate our identity and renew our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And through the third thing, through our confession. 
Say that, my confession. Come on, say it one more time. My confession. How many of you know your name? Okay. On the count of three, I want you to yell out your name. Okay, one, two, three. Okay. What if somebody walked up to you and called you another name? Suppose your name was Mary and they called you Mookie. I, I, my, my wife's family is close to a family from Abbeville and their names are like wonky, shonky, sooky, tooky, wooky. I mean, it's like, like a, I don't know, a three-year-old kid got mad at somebody and started calling people names and that was all their names. Wouldn't it be terrible for you to answer to a name that's not you? Especially if you answered to that name, you got punished. God's desire for you and me is to transform us. Romans 12, 2 says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly, what? Transformed by what? The Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Mark eleven twenty two and 23 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever... Whoever what? Well, wrong translation. Okay. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says it will be done and he will have whatever he. Everything that comes to you from God begins with a, a, a heart and a mind change and a mouth confession. John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10, but what say that the word is now you, even in your mouth and your heart? That's the word of faith that we preach. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. It has to be something that happens in my heart and then comes out of my, it comes out of my, comes out of my mouth. It would be stupid for me to walk around after that video and walk up here and go, hi, I'm Tim Tebow. You can call me after I walked up tumbling Tim. Okay, you would look at me and go, Pastor Jacob, you're not Tim Tebow. What do you mean I'm not Tim Tebow? You prejudice against brown Tim Tebows? They call me El Timo. Okay, would that be stupid? How stupid would it be? But if I looked at you and said, you said, Pastor Jacob, I'm not Pastor Jacob. No, 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 you are Pastor. No, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not Pastor Jacob. I'm not Pastor Jacob. No, I know you. You baptized me. You prayed with me. You led my daddy to Christ. You, you're Pastor Jacob. No, I am not Pastor Jacob. Wouldn't that be terrible? Pastor Jacob, why are you saying all of this? Because the enemy's design is to try to take everything in this book that God says you are, that he's named you with his creative power, and to convince you that's not who you are. And to get you to answer to shame 
and the guilt and the fear and the insecurity and the failure and the depression and to get you over and over and over to answer that because you do not know and confess and believe what this word says about you. Period. Period. What do I need to do, Pastor? How does this transformation happen? Let me give you the last three or four minutes and we'll close. Number one, reject what was spoken over you that does not agree with God's word. Reject it. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Jesus didn't ignore the devil. He rebuked the devil. He didn't go, oh, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. You know what he did? He rejected what was spoken over him. And remember, what Jesus modeled, Jesus meant for you and me. Reject it. Can I tell you something? Look right here. 90% of Christians have a one-way conversation with the devil, and it's only him talking to them. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus did. The devil came and said, you're not the son of God. If you're really the son of God, you'd throw yourself down. Do you know who created Satan when he was an angel before he fell? This is the equivalent of your kids walking up to you going, you're not my daddy. You go, really? I brought you in this world and I'll take you out of this world. You don't think I'm your daddy. Okay. Look, look, look right here. He created him before he fell, just like he created you and me. Now watch this. Too many conversations with the enemy are one way, and it's him talking to us and not us talking to him. What did Jesus say when the enemy came and said that? It is written. And he quoted the word to him. Why? Because he was created by the word, and what defeats him is the power of the word of God. What defeats him is the power of the word of God. Listen, I love Jesus calling. It's amazing. You won't defeat him with Jesus calling. Well, I read, I read my thought for the day. Your thought for the day won't destroy the devil. I heard something positive and I got inspired. That won't help you. You need the very thing that created him and everything that you see seen and unseen. And that is the powerful, almighty, eternal, everlasting word of God. However much of this book you get in you, that's how free you will be. That's how free you will be. Reject it. Here's the second thing. Replace the lies with the truth of what God says about you. Replace it. Reject it, but then replace it. Here's what God says. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. I treasure your word more than my necessary food. He, I mean, let, I'll quote the word of God. This book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. Replace it. Third, realign your thoughts and words with God's thoughts and words about you. Okay? How many of you here have been born again? Raise your hand. 
Now, I want you to say this. I'm a born-again child of God. I'm a born-again, blood-washed child of God. How many of you have been filled with the Spirit? Raise your hand. Man, I want you to say to me, I'm a born-again, blood-washed, Spirit-filled child of God. Come on. I am a born-again, blood-washed, Spirit-filled child of God. Well, you cussed yesterday. I know, but I asked the Lord to forgive me, and I am a born-again, blood-washed, Spirit-filled child of God. Well, you were pulling out of church, and somebody cut you off, and you waved them a one-way sign that wasn't the right way. That's all right. I asked the Lord to forgive me, and I'm a born-again, blood-washed, Spirit-filled child of God. And don't wear a sticker from the church on your car. Look at me. This place is not a palace for the perfect. It's a hospital for the hurting. And there is not one person here. I remember one time Chad's here. It was a guy that was one of the biggest drug runners in Acadiana. He's actually at the Lafayette campus today. That was a long time ago. And we were at the Broussard campus. That was the only campus we had. And he had just come into our program, needed help. We had an internship. And he came walking in. He looked and he saw Chad. And he walked out. And he looked at me. He goes, Pastor, Pastor. That's what he goes, that's bad Chad. I said, I know. He said, do you know who bad Chad is? I said, I do. He said, he's a bad man. I said, he was. He's a new man now. Look at me. So when you come to church and you see somebody that you think shouldn't be there, and you go, oh, I can't believe they're here. Look at me. They're just as surprised that you're here. <laughs> they are just as shocked as you are. Replace the lies with the truth. Realign your thoughts and words with God's thoughts and words and then reinforce it with God's people surrounding you. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to go to the men's Bible study. That's why you need to have someone disciple you if you haven't. Grab your book and find someone that will mentor you and disciple you to become a child of God. If you wanted to learn how to drive, you'd find somebody. If you wanted to learn how to shoot a gun, you'd find somebody. If you wanted to learn anything that's significant, you'd find somebody. Find somebody. You don't need somebody to recruit you. You recruit them. You recruit them. Look right here. One of the most foolish things people ever say is, man, I can make it. I don't care who I surround myself with. I can go to Cowboys. I ain't going to drink. I can go to La Fonda's. I ain't getting no margarita. I don't care if the waitress name is Margarita. I'm not getting one of them. <laughs> Look right here. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good people. And the reason it says that is we can be deceived. You can't even be in a room with people that smoke and not smell like cigarettes. Look at me. There is no one here that's strong enough to overcome the influence of the people you constantly choose to surround yourself with. No one. So make your friends God's friends because they are going to influence you. Look, look, look at me. I want every man to look right here because I hear some men going, Pastor, you don't know me, Pastor. I'm just strong. No, you're ignorant. Listen to a man that was raised in a bar. Listen to a man 
whose family was lost and has worked with people for almost 50 years that said, oh, Pastor, I just thought I could go to my old friend's party and it wouldn't end up like this, but it did. I didn't think I'd cheat again. I didn't think I'd drink again. I didn't think I'd use again. Make God's friends your friends. Surround yourself with people that reinforce who you are in Christ. Everything I receive begins with belief and confession. And when my thoughts and my words agree with God's thoughts and God's words, it releases God's will into my life. And when my thoughts and my words agree with the enemy's thoughts and words, it releases the enemy's will into my life. Which one do you want to release into your life? Which one do you want to release into your life? Which one do you want your children to have? Which one do you want your children to eat from? Can I tell you who's counting on you? Your kids are counting on you. Your grandchildren are counting on you. Your great-grandchildren that you don't even know are counting on your obedience to the Word of God. You know how our world got as messed up as it is? How many look at the TV and talk to it? May what? How many of you do? Raise your hand. You know, I got so jacked up. Because one generation thought they could have this and that their children would catch it by accident like a cold. You can catch sin by accident, but you don't catch this unless you catch it on purpose. So today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to know who you are and to confess it boldly and loudly. I am a blood-washed spirit filled child of the living God. I am a blood washed spirit filled child of the living God. I am a blood washed spirit filled child of the living God. I am a child of the living God. I am a spirit filled child of the living God. And now let me give you one of my other ones and we'll close. God loves me. The devil hates me. And the world is waiting for me. God loves me. Come on. The and you know why the devil hates me? Because I know who I am. I no longer believe what he says about me. His lies, his deceptions, his accusations, they don't work anymore. Because I am a blood-washed child of the living God. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word that changes lives. The truth of your word that changes lives. It changes past by washing it away under your blood. It changes the future by empowering us and equipping us to do what only you can do. Today, I thank you for the precious people that are here. And I pray that today the word of God is received and it becomes engrafted into them. Spirit, soul, and body. To live holy. To love purely. And when they stumble to repent, get up quickly. 
to repent and get up quickly. To see it, to hate it, and to turn away from it and get up quickly. So that he who's been cast down won't keep us down. So that he who bought into the lie that he was God won't keep us buying into the lie that we can never be God's. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said to a very religious man named Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're a good man, but unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. And unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The most important question of your life to be answered until it is, is have you been born again? You say, Pastor, how can I do that? You can do it by A, admitting that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and he died for your sin so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. And C, by confessing Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. Being born again only happens once. It's just like the day you were born. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. I may have been Christian or baptized, but I've never prayed to be born again. If Jesus said I must be born again to see him or to enter the kingdom of God or to have a relationship with God today, Pastor, I want to pray to be born again. Would you pray for me? That's what when you raise your hand in just a moment, that's all you're saying. I've never been born again, Pastor, and I want you to pray for me today so that I can be born again. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up real high and put it back down. I'm the only one that's looking. One, God brought you here. Two, it's not an accident. The person you ran into, the circumstances that led you here today, God was orchestrating it all for this moment for you to be born again and have a new beginning to become spiritually alive. And now is the time. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. I want to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be born again today. Raise it up high. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, 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 I see your hand. Anywhere else? Yes, I see your hand. Anywhere else? All right. All right. You can put your hands down. Church, let's pray out loud together with all those that raised their hand. We're going to join you to pray this prayer to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my father. Jesus is my savior. And I'm born again in Jesus name. Amen.